Branson this morning, as you imagine you would have figured. Right? You didn't figure it? Yes, he's in Branson this morning. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, yeah, he's in. Y'all look good this morning. Y'all are looking sharp. Okay, we're growing. Can y'all see that? Come around and look. We're just a growing and a growing and a growing. Like Acts said, and he added to the church daily those who should be saved. Yes, that's a happening around here. It's a good thing. Well, the Lord's been dealing with me about this for some time now, and I've been studying on it and trying to see what's the best way to get it out. And I think today is the day. I think it's going to be really, really exciting. You want to know what the title is? Okay, you 10 people sitting over here, come up here and I'll tell you. Okay, now how many want to know what the title is? Okay, yeah, there we go. Okay, the title this morning is Shock and Awe. Hmm, yeah, shock and awe. You know, let's read this verse, these verses. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 7 in the NIV, Hannah or whoever is up there. Chapter 7, verse 13, and we're going to read down to verse 29, and then I'll explain it to you. I'm going to tell you a lot of stories this morning, so I think you'll enjoy it. How many of you have a Bible that has red letters in it? If you've ever been around Keith, he said red letters do what? They trump everything. So anytime you see anything with red letters, it means it trumps what mama said, what daddy said, what grandma said, what grandpa said, what the pastor says, what the neighbor says, what the prophet says, what the apostle says, what the anybody says, these red letters trump everybody and everything. Do you understand that? That's what he means by that. It doesn't matter what you think, what your brain thinks, what your flesh thinks, what I say, what he says, what anybody says, these red letters do what? You know what trumpet means, right? They go over the top. They put everything under it. They are the top, the head, the the final authority. Okay? So let's read this, all right? Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. And many enter through it. Keep going. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Keep going. Watch out for false prophets. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on what? The rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its what? Foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, 
and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Now, how many of you have a Bible that has red letters in it? So anything that you knew or thought before that point and before today, if it doesn't line up with these red letters, what are we supposed to do? Throw it out. What grandma said or our friend said or our neighbor said, if it doesn't line up with these words, we're going to take it back to these words. And if it doesn't line up, we have to get rid of it, right? Okay. So what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about um, lions. And I want to talk to you about worms. And I want to talk to you about uh, gross things maybe. But you'll see. You'll see where we are as we go along. And kings and lions and bears and those sorts of things today. Keith and I, I especially, as you all have already heard, did not grow up around the word, around ministry things, around the things of God. We grew up going to church every week. You know, we, we loved God as best we knew. But we didn't know anything about God. We knew there was a God, but we didn't know anything about him. So as we got into the things of God, I began to see a lot of things that I didn't understand. And I began to see a lot of people who called themselves spiritual. Did you hear what I said? who called their self spiritual. And I began to be intimidated by those people because I thought they could do things and see things and hear things that I didn't understand. And they were capable of seeing and doing and being things that I didn't understand. So I really, really, really backed off. But all the time and all the while in my heart, something would bother me. And I did not understand it. And I would ask Keith about it. And he would always respond this to me. Every time, never override your heart. Every time. And he didn't even know what I had in my heart, but he would always say to me, Phil, never override your heart. So I want to get into some things this morning. You see how quiet you've gotten in here this morning. When we started out in these things, I thought, I am too not smart to be around the adults. I really felt that way. So we began going to church, and we wound up, when Keith was working at Ramah, they didn't have a lot of Word and Faith churches then. This was way back, like in the late 70s, early 80s. And they didn't have a lot of Word and Faith churches then. And who was available to go to church then was a man named Willie George. How many of you know who Willie George is? Of course. Well, Willie needed teachers then. And there were, his church wasn't very big. He, we might have had 200 people in the church at the time. But Willie was known for teaching children. And still is today known for teaching children. And so he, God forbid, did this one day. He looked across the crowd. Someday I should probably just do this. Go teaching kids, 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 go teaching kids. kids. One morning, he was just standing in the pulpit and he stopped his sermon. Just dead still. He didn't know me from Adam. I was a little Catholic girl. I didn't know Genesis from Revelations and I couldn't tell you what was in the New Testament or what was in the Old Testament. I didn't know what books of, where the books of the Bible were. 
And he looked at, stopped the crowd, and he pointed out, go teaching kids, go teaching kids, go teaching kids, go teaching, and pointed at me. And I walked back there, and there was a young man back there that was standing there waiting on us. And he said, you teach the first and second graders. I went. I said, what do I teach him? He said, that book you have in your hand? I said. And he gave us a scripture every week. And we were supposed to teach off of that scripture. And I learned things each week from what they taught us that we were supposed to do. And they would teach us how to do crafts, and they would teach us how to do different things at Willie George's church. And if you know anything about Willie George, he knows how to teach kids. But the most amazing thing is he said, spend this much time doing this, this much time doing this, this much time doing this, but base it all off of that scripture. But what I found out when I was teaching kids was I did not know kids could shock you. First and second graders will shock you. I didn't have kids. I had been around kids all my life. But first and second graders will make your mouth drop at what they know. They will tell you. You'll say, okay, come on, let's pray today. Now, this is when Word and Faith stuff was just getting started. This was late 70s. You remember that? They would join hands, and I would say, what are we going to pray about today? And they would say, would you please pray that my daddy will sell a car so that we can eat? Then another one would say, I'd say, yes. And they'd say, would you please pray that my mother and daddy would not fight, that my mommy would quit listening to her mommy and that they would quit fighting and daddy wouldn't have to sleep on the sofa. And would you please pray that my daddy would quit doing this to my little sister. And they would tell you everything that was going on in that house. Everything. Everything. You did not have to wonder what was going on with mom and dad ever again. Don't go take your kids out of class. <laughs> That's what kids do. So I learned shock and awe my very first point because I didn't know people had that much trouble. I thought people that were in church didn't have any troubles. Then, I thought I knew shock and awe. Then we got to pastoring. And I started teaching the youth. And do you know what the youth's specialty is? Shock. That is what they specialize in. If they can do anything to throw you into shock and tell you anything that will blow you away, that's what they're going to do. Because they want to see your response to it. And if you act like, <gasps> what are they going to do? More of that. More of that. I remember, and if she were standing here, she would not mind me telling the story at all. I remember we had this one young lady. The young lady could lie better than anybody I had ever met in my life. She was a grand champion liar. And when we put her in the class, she graduated. She had been in our church since she was a little girl. And she lied in all of her classes then. And she lied when she came to youth. And we had, our youth was set up differently than a lot of other youth classes and stuff. I never preached to them. They always preached to me. Because youth like to talk. And they like for people to listen to them. So 
we would be in these groups and stuff, and each week we would be in a circle, and they would tell us things. Well, she overtook the class every week when she first got in there, and every story blew the other one away. And they were all lies. So finally, after the services, I would begin telling her, now you can talk as much as you want to in youth. You can say whatever you want to say in youth, but you cannot tell another lie in youth. You can have the whole service. We'll listen to you. We'll listen to anything you want to tell us about. <coughs> but you cannot lie. And every week I'd tell her that. And I'd keep reinforcing that every week. Well, then the next time I saw her, <coughs> she came up to me a few months later. And she said, you know what I've been doing? And she pulled up her sleeve. Cuts. <coughs> All up and down her arms. They were ready to kick her out of school. She was stealing. She was lying. She was doing everything she could. Well, this went on for a period of time. How that they could shock you, how that they could lie to you, what they could do, every one of them tried to top the other one with their stories. The drugs, the sex, the how far they were going, this one doing this, this one doing that. And not out in their uh, voicing to each other, but in private, often to you. And you knew it was true because they were coming, handing you the pills, and you knew what was happening on the private, and you knew what was happening with this, and you knew the different things that were happening. So we learned about shock and awe. That young lady that I'm telling you about totally, completely turned around in the ministry today, going to school with a scholarship for psychiatry to help young people. Am I telling the truth? You would not recognize her today. But shock, shock, do things to shock you. And I thought, you know, I've seen it all. But you know what? Neither one of those things were the things that really, really amazed me. The things that amazed me were the things that Keith and I saw in the ministry. When we got in the ministry, like I say, I was very sheltered. I never saw these kind of things in the ministry. I never was around these kind of things. Now, different denominations react differently in services. When you were raised or reared, if you want to say it the other way, Catholic, you go to Mass, you sit down, you're very reverent as to what the minister is doing, you never laugh in church, you never have any emotion in church, you're just very reverent as to what's going on. So I thought that is what church was like. Well, I got out of that and I got into charismatic. And I got into word and faith. And I got shocked and awe because I got into a people that thought anything went, anything would go. Now, Keith and I have been in the ministry now, I guess it'll soon be 33 to 32 years in the ministry, full-time ministry. We have seen it all. I doubt seriously there's very much you could tell us that we have not seen. I'm going to tell you some of the things we have seen this morning to prove to you we have seen a lots of stuff. Because people come to us and they try to convince us that we need to be more open to things. We need to be more free to let things happen. We need to be more yielding to what God wants to do. We've been there. We have been. We were 1983. Us, a lady named Patsy, a gentleman named Ray Jean, uh, another gentleman named David. Sky Janet was around at that time. 
actually were some of the very first ones that started praying for such a things as a Holy Ghost meeting. Way back in the late 70s. Did you know that? Shock and awe. <gasps> right? Is that correct? Sky and Janet, wave your hand. Is that correct? Yes, they're, they're over there. And we started doing these meetings. We couldn't do them anywhere around anybody that knew us. <laughs> so we would go to L.A. where they were wild. <laughs> we would catch the red eye on a Friday night after Keith would finish with healing class, and we would fly to L.A. We would do them in the convention center in L.A., and we would fly back Saturday night after our last meeting and be back in time for Rama Church on Sunday morning so Keith and these guys could do the music and be there on Sunday morning. Now, we have seen a lot of stuff. We have seen during those meetings, we saw growths disappear. We saw cancers go away immediately. We've seen blind eyes open. I am not lying to you. You can believe me or you cannot believe me. We've seen deaf people that could not hear instantly be able to hear. We have seen people get out of wheelchairs that could not walk. We have seen bones that were totally broken in people's ankles get mended back together instantly. We have seen things that most people dream and wish they could see in their lifetimes. We've seen them. They're not imaginary. They're not fake. They're not phony. They are absolutely real. We've seen people get filled with the Spirit and fall out under the power and laugh for hours and you could try your best to get them to stop and it was not phony. They could not stop no matter what they tried. I saw a 250, 300-pound man fall on a woman that weighed 100 pounds and stay on her for a long period of time and they laughed so hard that you could not get them to move and you would have thought they were hurt and they weren't. I have seen all sorts of stuff, good things. During that time, healings would take place. Good, wonderful miracles would take place. Nobody praying for anybody, but just the anointing going into people and fixing whatever was wrong in their life. I've seen people that were heartbroken during those times that couldn't laugh, couldn't praise God for anything, just set free and their lives changed forever. Miraculous things. I've seen babies with my own eyes that had growths all over their little bodies. The, the mother would bring them in and they were deformed and their legs were crooked and they would bring them in and they had the nastiest, you could, it was just so demonic that the growths all over their bodies were all over their face, all over their little arms, all over their little bodies. And you open your eyes and they're gone. Gone, completely gone. Completely gone. A baby's skin just as smooth and soft as you can imagine. Completely. The power of God is completely real. I've seen myself, I've seen Keith be used in services to call out such specific things that... There's no way you could know it. Keith even tells about it. One night in Canada, I called out a bill that was in somebody's purse, called it down to the penny that God wanted to pay for that person. And it was in her purse. I've called out specific healings for people. I've seen things with people about somebody beating their wife and the child under the table, seeing it. I called out a man one time about molesting his, his child in the bed and that the police were going to come and get him. The next day, the police came and got him. Is that true, Rob? 
the Lord has used us in so many different ways. We've seen it. Now, the reason I'm telling you all those things is because of this verse, that, this stuff that we just read. Keith and I do not get up here and do this, tell you this stuff for the purpose of drawing attention to ourselves. I've also seen these things. Now let's switch gears. I have seen people take people into rooms and keep them there for weeks at a time trying to cast the devil out of them. I have seen people, I mean, lock people up and tell them that they have a devil. We've cast the devil out of lots of people. I've seen people tell their spouse that they're demon-possessed and that everything around them had a devil. A tree has a devil. A limb has a devil. A frog has a devil. Uh, Everything they came in contact with had a devil. I have seen, Keith has seen, have been in services. Now, are you holding on? Hold on to the person next to you. Make sure they don't fall out of your head. We're talking about shock and awe. Have literally seen blood come out of people's temples, feathers come out of them, oil come out of them. We have seen all of these things. All of them. We have seen the move where everybody sat in a chair and their leg grew out. We have seen so many things happen through this 30-year period that you have to find out what is true and what is not true, what is real and what is not real. Do you know that many things are spiritual but not all things are God? The Bible says to test the spirits and see whether they be God or not. That red letter stuff we just put up there said there would be many miracles performed and when they got to God, he would say, What? I never knew you. I didn't even know you. The greatest joy... Let me read you this now. Switch gears for just a minute. This is Brother Hagin's book, on the healing anointing. We had the greatest, most wonderful, of all the things God could have done for us, we thank Him regularly for putting us with someone that was grounded. For putting us with someone that wasn't flaky for putting us with someone that realized the most important thing we could do was find out what this book said. And you'll see why as we go along today. Let me read this to you. This is his book, The Healing Anointing, and it's on page 131 if anybody wants to check it out later. It says, and I'm going to read directly from the book, Modern-day charismatics don't know much about it. But in the days of the voice of healing, there was a healing revival here in America from 1947 through 1958. There were many great preachers who were anointed to minister healing by the anointing. Ministers put up tents everywhere. One preacher had a tent that that would seat 20,000. Another minister... Um, had a tent that would exceed his and seat 22,000. And another, a number of preachers had tents that would seat 5,000 or 10,000. 
Dents were just popping up everywhere because of this healing revival. Most of these preachers ministered with the healing anointing, but they knew very little about God and His Word. (coughs) I get all worked up. He says, well, thank God for the anointing. But if you don't get your faith working and get your ministry founded on the basis of the word, your ministry and its effectiveness will not last long. It says, I was in one of those preachers' meetings during a revival of healing. There was a good anointing in the service to preach and teach, but the anointing to minister healing wasn't there. It says, several of us ministers... We're sitting on the platform when the preacher finished his sermon and he gave an altar call. There must have been a hundred people who responded to be saved. Said there was a large crowd in those days, but said we don't think it's such a large crowd of a hundred people coming to the altar call today. But in those days, that was phenomenal. And it was advertised that this minister was supposed to minister to the sick. But after the altar call that evening, he turned to us all on the platform and said, Boy, you couldn't pray for the sick in an atmosphere like this at all. You see, he sensed that the healing anointing that he usually ministered under was not present. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Spirit of God, the anointing, was there. The Spirit of God had led those hundred people to come down to the altar and get saved. But I'm talking about the healing anointing. There's a big difference, and I'll explain it later. And he goes on to explain it in another chapter. So this minister just sort of passed or skipped by the laying on of hands for the sick, even though he'd been laying hands on the sick every night in the services. One minister sitting by said to me, I don't understand that. The power of God is here. Why can't he minister healing? And I said, I understand it. The anointing that he usually ministered under uh, just wasn't in manifestation. So he just did not know what to do. He did not know how to minister by simple faith and the word of God. Thank God this minister did not try to do what? perform on his own that is what so many people have done that is what we have seen the services i was telling you about where different things happen weird stuff flaky jakey stuff the anointing became not present after a period of time we've seen it it's funny we were at this one church in let's see where it was atlanta georgia And there was this elderly gentleman. He was like 101 years old. And one night during a service, the anointing was really, really strong. And this elderly gentleman got up and he ran a circle around the crowd and everybody got blessed by it. The whole crowd cheered and shouted and everybody got blessed by it. It was just an anointed thing at the time. But that gentleman thought, what? Every service, he's supposed to what? Run. Run. So every service and every time we were there, he would get up at a certain point in the song service and jump up and run. There was no anointing on it. It was dead as last year's bird's nest. But because he had done it once and it was anointed, he thought that's what he was supposed to do again. We have told our people this. We have said that when people get saved, the Holy Ghost is in them immediately. The anointing of God is on them immediately. Their relationship with God is just as good as your relationship with God is. God will talk to them immediately just like he will talk to you. 
what people make a mistake in is trying to get people to be their liaison between them and God. And try to get people to be their crutch between them and God. When you know what? You don't need a crutch between you and God. God will listen to you just like he will listen to you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And what happens is people want people dependent upon them. Because if they become dependent upon them, I'm going to say it. Then they have to support them. They have to be there for them. They have to be, you have to be attached to them. But if you can go to God directly for yourself and you don't have to be dependent upon anybody, then the minister themselves, guess what? They have to stand in faith that somebody's going to support them. And somebody's going to believe in them. If you can get your prayers answered right by yourself with this Bible right here and you don't need me to help you, then I've got to believe God for myself. Huh? But if you have to go to somebody every time you need a healing or every time you need your finances met, or every time you need an answer, then they are between you and God. And God never intended it to be that way. Yes, there are anointed miracles of God. Like I said, we have seen them. But God never intended that any person have to have somebody do something for them between them and God. What He intended was that we have a foundation on this book. And we learn for ourselves what this book says about healing. And whether there's a healing anointing present, Brother Hagin goes on to tell in this book. And this is what he says. I have it in my notes. I asked Keith about it. I found it in books. I looked for it. And I said, what do you think about this? And he said, Keith, he said, Phil, this is exactly what Dad said. He said it over and over in healing school. He said it all the time. He said, what these people would do, they would go to these meetings. He said, one weekend they'd go to, how many of you heard him tell this? Listen to it when I'm saying it. They would go to the loosening meeting one weekend. You remember that? Then the next weekend they'd go to the deliverance meeting. Then the next weekend they'd go to the get free meeting. How many of you heard him tell that story? Yes. But the thing about it was, he said, I was a pastor of a little small country church. He said, and I'd be out and about. He said, and I'd see this fellow out in this cornfield. And I'd walk up to him and he'd say, I see you still got that problem. I thought you went to that deliverance meeting. I thought you went to that get loose meeting. I thought you went to that get free meeting. What happened? Well, I did get free. But you know what? The next day it just came right back on me. Well, why would it just come right back on somebody? Because they have no foundation in the Word to be able to resist the devil for themselves. They have no foundation to be able to stand on their own two feet. And as long as you have to depend on somebody else to get your healing for you, to get your finances for you, to get your answer for you, you will never be able to stand on your own two feet. At some point in your life, you've got to stop looking at other people. It's like this. And I'll get back to this in just a minute and tell you what the Lord told Brother Hagin about it. It's like a miracle diet. We've all seen them. We've all heard of them. This miracle diet will help you lose 40 pounds in two months. But it doesn't tell you after the two months you're going to gain that 40 pounds back plus another 20. Right? How many of you have seen them? Everybody has seen them. Do you want a diet like that? No. You want a diet that you will lose the 40 pounds and keep it off forever and eternity because you learned how to do it for yourself. Right? Well, that's what the Word of God will do for you. It will teach you how. This Word, this book, 
That's what that was talking about. You will know it by its fruit. And that's what the Lord told Brother Hagin. And that's what Brother Hagin began to see. The Lord told Brother Hagin, they're trying to get results with prayer or praying for people that only my word can bring. Yes, it's okay to pray for people. Yes, it's okay to believe God for people. Yes, it's okay to hook with people. But they need a foundation of the Word so that when the devil comes against them the next day, they can say, no, devil, they prayed with me. It was the anointing. It was broken. It's gone forever. They know how to resist it tomorrow morning. They know how to resist it this afternoon. Brother Hagin continued to say, I didn't see. I, I, so I started doing that. I started getting in church, and I started teaching my... He said, so, Lord, what do I do? He said, you all have heard him say it. Teach my people faith. faith. So what did Brother Hagin start doing? He started teaching faith. He said, I didn't see the results that everybody else saw. I didn't see the instant manifestations a lot of times that everybody else saw. But what I did see was long-term effects. He said, when all these other ministers went out and went under, my ministry was still standing. When you don't even know their name today, his ministry is still standing. When people go and they get prayed for and they get healed instantly, check on them ten years later. See what happens. See, do they still have the healing that they got? Or do they know how to stand and make it work in their life tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? You must learn. That's why a lot of times when people come and they get the Word and they get fed, it's not something that's just going to go. You're going to walk out the door and you're going to say, Oh, glory to God, i got an instant manifestation of my bills are all paid today. Everybody likes instant pudding. Everybody likes it. But you know what? Your life didn't get in the mess that it's in overnight. And your body didn't gain 40 pounds overnight. And it works exactly the same way. If you want long-lasting results, you've got to take your time. And God forbid, you've got to eat right and exercise. And you can try every diet you want to try, and you can do anything you want to do, but what are the two things that are really going to work for you if you want to look good? And you can try everything else under the sun, but until you do what? It's never going to work. And you can take every diet pill, you can try every fad diet, you can do anything under the sun you want to do, but until you eat right and exercise, you're never going to feel good and you're never going to look good. It's just a fact. And until you get in this book and do what it says, you're never going to accomplish what you're looking for in your life. Because it is this word that will put you over in the hard times. It is this word that will help you stand. It is this word that will give you victory. It's not the shock in all things that people want to see. It's not the big blow-up explosion things that you can see today. It is the things that will make you solid and make you firm. It's the, it's the vegetables and the broccoli. It's not the ice cream. It's those things that make you a solid person that people want to hear and see and be around. That's who you want to be. You don't want somebody that the wind can come and blow. We, we rented a house. I'm going to tell you about this. It's the funniest thing. We have a house in Branson. It sits on the side of a hill. And it is on rock. I am telling you, it is on rock. We had a sign that had our address that we wanted to put in the ground. And it had the numbers of our house, 898. And it was there. And it has these two little posts that you wanted to put in the ground. We tried to put it in the ground. We beat it. We hit it. We, the post bent. The things bent. The this broke. This broke. It's solid. Is it solid rock? Jackhammers. We tried to do that word production center. They had to use jackhammers. You hear jackhammers and dynamite blowing out there all the time. It's just a constant. Is it, is it a constant thing? 
everything you do out there is jackhammers and rock and dynamite. You hear explosions. They'll set off timers and all of a sudden you'll hear boom when the whole community shakes because they're blowing out rocks someplace. You know, how many of you are from Branson know what I'm talking about? It's a fact. It's just rock there. And uh, so then we move here. Quite a difference. And we rented a house. And we're there, and I am there staying in this house. And a tropical storm. Well, actually, it was a hurricane came, but it didn't get real close to the there. It went around. But I'm there in this house one time. This has been two and a half, three years ago. And I'm there in the house, and I'm on the phone with Keith. And he says, Phil, don't you need to leave? I said, well, I think I'm okay right now. And I'm standing there upstairs in the window watching, and there goes the palm trees. And there goes the steps. And it's getting closer and closer and closer. Well, I made it through that time. But it wasn't long after that that we were there at that house. And I think maybe Tom and Amy and Sky and Janet. Who else was staying there that time? Y'all, I don't remember who. But the winds came and the rains came and the floods came. And it got the whole deck out from underneath the house. And it was washing out and the doors shifted. And the sands were going away and the house was going away. Hey, the rains can come in Branson. I'm telling you what. The floods came in Branson. It washed away some things. It ain't washing away my house in Branson. It's built upon a rock, man, and you ain't getting that house to go away. The rains can come. The floods can come. The storms can come. That house is built. The basement is solid rock. You can't even build a room down there. You'd have to chisel for six months to get one rock to move. But it's not that way here. Why? Sand. Which do you want your life built on? You want something to where when the devil comes to you and he tries to tell you you're not healed, the first little wind that comes... And the devil says, take this. You feel that in your stomach? You've had it for three weeks now. That's cancer. It's eating at you. Those thoughts come. That wind comes. That rain comes. Those feelings come. What do you do? You have no clue because all you had was somebody pray for you. You don't know the first healing scripture. You don't know the first thing about the word. You don't know the first verse to turn to. You just know I'm sick. It's cancer. I'm going to die. Or you're built on a rock and those feelings come. And that bellyache comes. And it's eating at your stomach and your stomach is burning and it's gnawing and it's hurting and you can't eat anything and you're throwing up. And you say, God's word is medicine. I'm getting up and taking my medicine. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. He took my infirmities and he bare my sicknesses and I'm redeemed from the curse of the law and all these things he's already done for me. And you do it three times a day just like you would take your medicine. And you know what to do. You're not confused about it. I'm casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. His word is in your mouth. You don't have to call me. You don't have to call Rob. You don't have to call your neighbor. And the devil cannot attack you. Because you know the word for yourself. Do you know what? That person that's performing those miracles, I doubt seriously you have his telephone number. He wouldn't answer it if you had it, would he? Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to have the Word even in your own heart to where it can help you sail over the problems in your own life. Don't let nobody convince you you don't need this Word for yourself. We had a lady. Keith was teaching Higgins School. I'll tell you how we learned these things. And he was teaching every day and he was pouring his heart out to these people. And every night, 
at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, this lady would call. And she'd say, Brother Keith, I'm worse. I'm worse, Brother Keith. Pray for me. Help me, Brother Keith. And every night, Brother Keith would get up out of the bed. He'd spend an hour on the phone encouraging her, building her back up again. Because when she'd get down and, and go to sleep, the devil would begin to attack her again. So he'd take his time. He'd get up. He'd feed her again with the Word. He'd take an hour. He'd preach to her. He'd encourage her. He'd build her back up again. Well, this went on for weeks. And one night, the phone rang. And it was 3.30 in the morning. And I said, Keith, it's such and such. Which it wasn't any wonder to him who it was. <laughs> and he went to pray for her. And he said, God, and God said, she didn't call me, she called you. Huh? Huh? There comes a point in time where you have got to go to God for yourself. And there's not any minister, there's not any person that can fix it for you. God requires. He gave this Bible to every person that's in this room. He gave it to every person that watches by the Internet, that watches by TV. He requires certain things of us. And the greatest thing that ever happened to me, now I told you all this to get to this point. All the years in the beginning when I was around Keith, he taught a healing school every single day. Every day. And he went to Ramah and he taught Bible school every single day. And I decided I was going to stay in the world and I was going to work and I was going to keep the money coming and he could deal with the Bible stuff and the God stuff all... I, not for me. Until I got sick. And I found out that all of Keith's knowledge and all of Keith's learning and everything Keith knew about healing and everything Keith knew, every scripture he knew about healing would not heal me. And I found out that I could not get the word by osmosis. Just because I lived in the house with a man that knew every healing scripture that ever existed and could quote them to you and where they were and what they meant and the Greek and the Hebrew and every translation of it, did not help me one bit. I had to decide for myself if this book worked for me. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to decide for yourself if it works for you. Now you say, you're talking about the people. I want to tell you one more story here before we get ready to go. Turn with me if you would. To Acts 12. Ding dong. <laughs> Acts 12, verse 20. This is the NIV. It says, He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They had joined together and sought an audience with him, having secured the support of Blattus, or whatever that word is, uh, a trusted personal servant of the king. And they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. Well, now that's a bad thing. You should depend on God to start with, okay? And on the appointed day, Herod was wearing his royal robes, and he sat on his throne, and he delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted... This is the voice of a God and not a man. Immediately. Read that next part with me. Because Herod did not give praise to God. What happened? An angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten with worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Do you know another problem with people that are constantly doing these things about oil coming out of their hands or feathers coming out or, or all these wild things that are happening? Think for just one second after I read that. Who does it draw attention to? 
to the person and not to God. Be very, very careful about building up a person and not giving glory to God. It's like Brother Hagin used to say, I can't heal a fly's eyeball or a gnat's wing or the other way around. The human person can do nothing. And any person that is up in front of you and is not directing you to look to God or look to His Word, but to look to them to do something for them, is leading you astray. Look to me, I'll heal you. Look to me, I'll meet your needs. Read the red letters. Would be considered a false prophet. Would be leading you astray. Watch carefully for it. They are sheeps in wolves' clothes. Watch out for them. You want to be able to discern the spirit behind it. If they are not leading you to God, it doesn't matter how young you are in the Lord. Check it out. Are they pointing me toward God or are they pointing me toward them? We talked about this on Friday night. It's not about how quickly you can get something. It's about getting it right. God is not withholding your healing from you. But even if you get it, can you hold on to it? He wants to give it to you and he'll give it to you the right way. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. God loves us more than any human down here on the earth. But what the devil wants and what we saw during these times and what hurts our heart the most is those people that were our friends during that time that went off on those tangents of praying for those people or got involved in those things to this day are not in the ministry. That is the devil's ploy. It is the devil's tool. is to get people going towards those things and it get them so messed up that they can't even do the things that God's called them to do anymore. Because when the anointing is not there, you don't know what to do then. And the anointing is not always there. I've, got, I've received things from God in services before. And sometimes Keith will call me and he'll say, Phil, you got anything? And I'll say, you've seen me do it. You can't manufacture something from God. You either got it or you don't. And people that always, every time, every service got this great big hoopla manifestation from God, you want to check on it. You want to check it out. Because the Word should be the consistent foundation. It should be something you should be able to base it on all the time. And you should always be going... God, not the person standing in front of you. If you leave every one of our services and you're thinking, who spoke today? Brother Keith, Miss Phyllis, Dave, Rob, Dan? I don't know. Who said that? Which one of them was it that said that? We hear that all the time. All the time people are coming up to us and I I don't remember which one of y'all said this. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I don't, how many of y'all could say that? I, I, I don't remember which one of y'all said that. That is the most wonderful thing we can hear. Because what it means is, it's not us. It's God. You know, and, you, and you're looking to God for the answer. And you're looking to Him for the answer. Because we're not trying to get glory to us. We want it coming from Him. And if anybody's getting any help, glory to God. It's Him that's getting the help to you. Because no man can reveal anything to another man except it be the Spirit of God. So we should thank him this morning. You guys got something you can sing? Okay.
God. You know, you're in the right place. She was speaking about those things. One time after a message, I went home and I got rid of 50 books, conservatively. Another time, I was chasing some crazy thing. She pulled me aside. I got another spanking. But you know what? She loved me enough to correct me. She didn't have to see it or hear it. God told her. And she loved me enough. She said, listen, none of that. And then she just told us the other day. She said, there's nothing wrong with raising the dead. It's getting your eyes on those signs and those wonders rather than the Word of God. And the Word of God is it. It is the foundational principle. I've been in around this for 20 years, and there's things that I should have already caught on to because why? I was chasing the wrong thing. I was looking for a sign and a wonder rather than a foundation principle. And it's embarrassing. You spend 20 years, and this is all the further you get. <laughs> Sorry Thank to God. You, Dan. Yeah. Keep your microphone.